Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Today, Andrew continues his teaching on who God is and who we are, recorded live from the 2019 Grace and Faith Conference in Telford, England. You need to recognize that you were an absolute mess before Jesus saved you. Apart from God's influence in your life, you just don't realize how perfect God created us to be. And now, here's Andrew. You know, last week I started uh, airing a series of teaching that I did in Telford, England back in May of 2019. And I taught primarily on who God is and explaining His true nature as being love and not judgment and hate. And now I'm teaching on uh, who we are without God. Now this is unique. You know, I teach a lot on who we are in Christ, and that is super important, but we also need to recognize what human nature without God is like. And even when you get born again, you, your nature has been changed, but your mind still has to be renewed. This is a teaching that could really, really bless you. So listen, this is my teaching from Telford, England, about the fallen nature of man. Man, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 29, I'm not going to take time to turn over there and read that, but he says, You see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh are called, not many mighty, not many noble, but God chose the weak things of the world, base things of the world, things that are despised, things that are nothing to bring to naught, things that are. And the reason he did it in verse 29 is so that no flesh would glory in his presence so that you wouldn't take the credit. The Bible says, my glory I will not share with another. If you are wanting God to flow through you, you're going to have to quit doing it in your own strength. You're going to have to quit taking the credit and you have to recognize that any good thing that you've got, God gave it to you and you're going to have to do it in his strength and in his power and not in your own. And so he chose weak things of the world, base things of the world. If you feel like you're nothing, oh God, I just can't do it. You're a great candidate for God to use. I had a man come one time and he says, how come you got to be a hick from Texas before God uses you? And he was putting me in the category of some other ministers that were hicks from Texas and he says, why do you have to be a hick from Texas before God will use you? And I said, it's because hicks from Texas know that they hadn't got any ability to do it. We have to be dependent upon God. God is not a lowbrow. It's not like God doesn't like people that have great talents and abilities. It's just that people who are very talented and have all of these abilities tend to trust in themselves and not trust in God. And so God has to go get somebody who doesn't have anything going for them so that they'll trust in him. Amen. You know, let me just real quickly summarize some things. Judges 17, 6. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Then in Judges chapter 18, verse 1, there was no king in Israel. Judges 19, verse 1, there was no king in Israel. And then Judges chapter 21, verse 25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You have to understand, it says it four times in three chapters. 
for a reason. It's showing you what man is like when there is no restraint upon them. You know, when I was in school, they had this book that they made us read. I protested and they made me read it anyway, and it was called Lord of the Flies. It was a pitiful book. Anybody ever read that book? And basically what it was about was a bunch of young people that got stranded on an island and they were all innocent young people. See, most people think, but we're all basically good on our own. What that book did, it showed that they began to start forming some kind of a government system. They formed cliques uh, and they actually began to start punishing other people and they started killing each other. Young kids started killing each other because that is what's in the heart of man. If you leave them by themselves, I don't care who you are, we on our own level without the influence of God are evil and desperately wicked. And that's what Judges chapter uh, 17, 6, all the way through 21, 25 portrays. It first of all talks about a Levite, a minister who was not a godly Levite and he went out as a hireling and just went someplace where somebody would pay him. And a guy paid him to uh, be the Levite, the priest for his demonic gods. And so he, he was, uh, you know, he was a servant of the Lord. He was a Levite, but he was... Uh, offering sacrifices to these demonic gods. And then some other people came by and they came in and stole all of those gods. And this Levite came out and said, you're stealing gods. You know, this is always interesting to me. If you have to go and defend a God because somebody stole your God, it wasn't much of a God. <laughs> you know what? When the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, God defended himself. You can read about that over in 1 Samuel. And uh, God, man, they, they sent the ark back because it was killing them and destroying them. God can defend himself. When I was in uh, Vietnam, there was this one guy that I witnessed to all of the time, and he was crazy. And anyway, he had a rock that he had written God on, and he put it up above his bunk, and he prayed to this rock and called it God. And anyway, one day somebody got tired of him doing this and they took his rock and we were on a really steep mountain and they just threw the rock off the mountain and it went a mile down the mountain. And anyway, he came out with his Thompson submachine gun and he was gonna kill somebody who killed my God. And we just said, wasn't much of a God, was it? And you know what? He says, well, I guess not. And that ended, <laughs> man. If you can throw this God away, it's not much of a God. So anyway, these other guys came and took all of their gods and this Levite came out and they said, you shut your mouth or we'll kill you. Says, it'd be better if you just come with us. And so he says, sure, I'll go with you. And so he was a hireling and went. That's not to endorse this action. It's to show you what people are like on their own. Remember, Judges 17, 6, there was no king in Israel. There was no civil government. Every man did what was right in his eyes. It starts with that and then it ends. Chapter 21, verse 25, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That is in there to show you what man is capable of on their own. And man, I would love to stay on this an hour. I got some other things I want to share, but I just can't help but point this out that today we are taking away all morality and all restraints upon sin. 
We're saying that homosexuality, adultery, all kinds of stuff, gambling is okay. It's evil. Wealth gotten by vanity takes away the life of the owners thereof. Lottery, gambling is an ungodly thing. And yet there's probably a lot of people in this room that buy lottery tickets. God loves you. I love you. But it's ungodly. And you're praying, oh God, help me to win the lottery. God's not going to fix the lottery for you. It's ungodly. And when we start allowing things that God doesn't allow and you take restraints off, this is where we're headed. Judges chapter 21, verse 25. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. This was put in there to show you what men are capable of without the Lord. And this is who we are at our core. We are fallen human beings. Now, when you get born again, you become a brand new person. And I'm going to talk about the good side of this. But you've also got to not only look to Jesus and who you become in Jesus, you've got to recognize who you are without Jesus so that you'll quit trusting in yourself and you'll become God dependent. Look at these verses in Philippians chapter three. In verse three, it says, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Paul said, I have no confidence in the flesh. And yet today we are told that you've got to have confidence. You've got to have confidence in yourself. We have self-esteem classes. Psychology has taught us to feel good about self at all costs. And you know the way they do it? The way to really feel good about yourself is to get born again and become a new self. And then you can feel good about the person that you are in Christ. But psychology doesn't acknowledge God. Now, there are some Christian psychologists, but it's contrary to the root of psychology. The very word psychology comes from a word that means psyche. That was the Roman God of the soul. And then ology means the study of. So you're talking only about the soul. You aren't talking about the spirit. They're only dealing with things from a humanistic perception. And psychology does not understand forgiveness. It doesn't understand mercy. It doesn't understand grace. Psychology will make you feel good about yourself by blaming everybody else. It's not your fault that you're a jerk. It's not your fault that you're a mess. It's the way that you were raised. They did this to you. And so it just means that you've got to be messed up the rest of your life. That is not true, but that's what psychology is teaching. And most Christians have bought into it. And you, even though you are an absolute mess, and even though you can't function and you're depressed and discouraged and all kinds of problems, it's somebody else's fault. It's that woman that you gave me. Adam put, you know, put the blame off on Eve and then said, God, you're the one that created her. It's really your fault. Adam refused to accept responsibility. As long as somebody else is the cause of your problem, then you're the victim. The only way you can become a victor is to quit being a victim and accept responsibility that other people may have done things to me, but it is my choice. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 30, 19, behold, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose. You choose. He gave you the choice. 
Other people can do things to you, but you got a choice whether you become bitter or better. It is wrong to say, I can't help my reaction. This person did that to me. Jesus turned around and forgave the very people who were crucifying them and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And some people say, well, that was Jesus. Well, Stephen did the exact same thing in Acts chapter 7. Father, lay not this sin to their charge. We can do the same works that Jesus did. It is wrong, 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 wrong for you to always blame somebody else for what you did. You are responsible. People will get drunk and then they have a wreck and they kill somebody. And I, I'm innocent. I was drunk. I didn't know what I was doing. You're the one who chose to get drunk and drive drunk. You are absolutely responsible for what the results is. Amen. I am countering so much of our culture today, but I'm, everything I'm saying is from the word. Brothers and sisters, this is an ungodly culture that we live in. So Paul said, I have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. In other words, you know, it's one thing when I sit here and talk about how I don't trust in myself, people say, well, I can understand why. <laughs> but here's Paul saying, look, it's not because I don't have things that I could glory in. He says, if anybody else is going to trust in their flesh, look what he says about himself. He says uh, in verse five, circumcised the eighth day, which for a Jew was absolutely essential. You had to do that. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, which to us, that may not mean much, but boy, if you were a Pharisee in Jesus' day, you were one holy person that paid tithes, even down. You counted the number of seeds that came in your garden and you separated all of the seeds out. You measured how far you could walk on a Sabbath day, how many steps you could take, and you couldn't do above it. Did you know that the Essens, the people that raised John the Baptist, they were so legalistic that in their writings, these are the people that wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. Did you know in their writings on the Sabbath day, it was against the law for you to have a bowel movement. <laughs> you couldn't do that on the Sabbath day because that was work. <laughs> this, is, this is what that means. He was a Pharisee. And then he says, concerning zeal, persecuting the church touching the righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. He didn't say sinless, but blameless. But look at this. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. And if you look this word counted up, it means to take by force, to seize. In other words, it's not just normal for us to sit there and not compare ourselves among ourselves and not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. That's not normal. You have to do this on purpose. You have to on purpose start adopting the attitude that God says about you. You need to take it and seize it by force. And then he says in verse eight, yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but done that I may win Christ. That's a polite way of saying he counted this stuff <laughs> like manure, or you could substitute other words in there. You know what we do with our manure? 
we frame it and put it on the wall to show everybody all of our diplomas and that our degrees. Did you know you could have 32 degrees and still be frozen? That's in Fahrenheit. <laughs> Paul said, all of the things that were gained to me, I counted them but loss that I may know Christ. And people think, well, I'm not sure I agree with that. Well, he just was used by God to turn the world right side up to write half of the books of the New Testament. Here we are 2,000 years later talking about Paul. I wonder if people will be talking about you two minutes after you're gone. <laughs> you can say what you want, but this is the recipe. This is the God recipe to have no confidence in your flesh, to not promote yourself, to recognize that God without you, I can do nothing. Now, praise God, I'm never without God. And so through him, I can do all things. But notice it says through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Philippians chapter four, verse 13. People conveniently leave that off and say, I can do all things. That's a lie. You can do nothing without Christ. But through Christ, you can do all things. You need to make sure that you are dependent upon God. You need to come to the end of yourself before you find the beginning of God. And that is precisely the reason that so many people are struggling and nothing is working because you are sitting on the throne of your life. You are absolutely in control. You know, the Lord has asked me to do some things that in the natural look crazy but back March the 23rd, 1968, I had this encounter and man, I ran up a white flag and I said, oh God, forgive me of my self-righteousness. And I realized that man, all of my righteousness was like filthy rags and I just submitted myself to God. Now I've never done it perfectly, but that's my desire is to be submitted unto God. And because of that, when God asked me to do something, I don't sit there and debate it. Now, I'm not saying I do everything perfectly, but I'm saying as soon as I know it's God, there is not going to be an argument with me. A friend of mine, Happy Caldwell, after 30-something years, God told him to turn his entire ministry over to another person. And he had, I think it was uh, $30 million worth of uh, buildings and things that he had built over his lifetime. And he just turned it over to another person and walked away and he started a television network and it started from scratch when he was in his 70s. And he got up and talked about this at a minister's conference and he said, some of you are getting older and it's time that you pass the baton to somebody else. How many of you would be willing if God told you to turn your ministry over to somebody else? And he made us think about it. And so, you know, I was following the lead and it didn't take me more than five seconds, 10 seconds maximum. And I said, God, if you told me to do that, if you told me to move to Africa and live in a grass hut, I'd be glad to do it. And we now have, I don't even know how much, but $120 million worth of assets in the United States and some awesome things are happening. I'd walk away from it in a second because it's not mine. God's the one that gave it to me. I can't take credit as if I did this. God's the one that gave it to me. And I'd walk away from everything. If God speaks to you and tells you something and you are going to debate whether you do it or not, you have not come to the end of yourself. 
you are still ruling your life. And I go back to a verse that I used earlier, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. Oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his own steps. If your life is in a mess, somehow or another, you have been running your life. You haven't come to the end of yourself. You haven't run up a white flag and you haven't surrendered. And the reason you're in a mess is because Satan is just better at this than you are. If you fight him in your own wisdom, it's your own strength, you are going to lose every single time. You need to come to the end of yourself. And I could spend another hour teaching on this. I'm not going to do it, but it's a process. You don't just make this decision one time and never have another problem. I've, I've preached on things like this before, and I've had people come up and say, would you please cast self out of me? I can't cast self out of you. The only way I can get rid of yourself is to kill you and then yourself will stay here and your spirit will go to be with the Lord and you'll just be awesome in heaven. But barring anything short of killing you, I can't get rid of yourself. You have to learn how to die to it. You have to take the truth of what I've said tonight. And you have to start applying it to yourself and reminding yourself. And I promise you this, that the Lord wants you to be rid of this self-control, self-dominance more than you want it. If you will allow him, he will help you to overcome this, but he won't force it on you. God will not force you to be a selfless person. God will not force you into putting him first. He's a gentleman. It has to come by invitation. Let me close with this passage out of 2 Timothy chapter 1 in verse 12. For which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul here said that God will keep what you commit, but no committing, no keeping. God's not going to force this upon you. You've heard some truth tonight that is so rare in our societies today that this may be the first time any of you have ever had this kind of a perspective about yourself. And it's contrary to everything you've been taught. And so the truth is here, but you know what? You have to reach out and commit yourself and say, God, I'm going to put you in charge of my life. I'm going to quit being my own God. I want you to be my God. I'm not smart enough to be God. I want you to run my life. You make that commitment, then God will hold you to it. He'll remind you. He'll come back and he says, you're getting off track. You need to get back on track. But you have to start the process. God is not going to make you do this. You have to volunteer. You know, it says in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God told you to make your body a living sacrifice. You have to crawl up on the altar. 
You have to make yourself a sacrifice. And you know what's wrong with the living sacrifice? Keeps crawling off the altar. <laughs> this is not just a one-time decision. Every day you have to say, Father, I want to live for you. I want to remember that I can't do anything without you. You have to begin the process. The Holy Spirit will supernaturally empower you and give you the ability to do it. But you have to deny yourself. You have to put God first. Andrew, tell us how it is. He gives you that faith to pray and to believe in what God says. Believe that God can heal. On today's broadcast, you saw an excerpt from Andrew's teaching titled, Who God Is and Who We Are, recorded live from the 2019 Grace and Faith Conference in Telford, England. This four-part teaching is available in a CD or DVD album for a gift of any amount or on a USB drive for only $30. Also available is the entire 2019 Grace and Faith Conference, which includes all four of Andrew's sessions along with teachings from guest speakers Wendell Parr and Dwayne Sheriff. This conference was recorded live in Telford, England and is available in a nine-part CD or DVD album for a gift of any amount or on a USB drive for only $49. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these teachings. We want to say a special thank you to the Grace Partners of Andrew Womack Ministries. Your gifts make it possible to put free ministry materials into the hands of many people in need. If you're not already a Grace Partner, we ask you to pray about becoming one today. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God already had determined a purpose for your life, a God-given purpose. God has a purpose to train you in what you're called to do. And I tell you, Karis Bible College is the place for that. Man, if you want a life change, come to Karis. Come on to Karis! The next two to three years could be the most powerful time of your life. If you sit under the Word for four hours a day, for five days a week, for two or three years, I guarantee you, you are going to have God speak to you and start revealing purpose to you. Every one of you were created for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? You know, I want to share with you about my living commentary. For those of you that don't know, this is a digital version of a Bible commentary. And I have literally gone through dozens and dozens 
of books and study guides to compile all of this, and I put it into a form in this Living Commentary that saves you all of that study. Plus, it's all of the insight that God has given me over 51 years of ministry is all poured into there. And we've devised this in such a way that you can put your little cursor over a scripture that is being quoted and it automatically pops that scripture up. You don't have to leave that screen and go somewhere else and then come back. And there are Greek and Hebrew words defined. There are commentaries that are on there. There's my footnotes. There's a treasury of scripture knowledge. Uh, there's different versions of the scripture. Check out our living commentary. It will be a tremendous blessing to you.